Live from Houston, Texas, a show for local business owners. This is Business Houston Podcast. If you're a small or medium-sized business, this is your source for trends, interviews, and tips for winning in today's economic climate. Presented by the BBB for Greater Houston and South Texas. You're listening to Business Houston, and this is your host, Matt Bertram. Hello, and welcome to Business Houston Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Hope you like the intro. We're, we're, we're yeah. adding to it as um, this is a pilot program, as a lot of you know. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and your company and what you do, and we'll just kind of get started there. Sure. My name is Keisha Simmons. I'm an immigration attorney. I work at Chamberlain Herlica. It's a law firm located in Houston. Actually, there's four offices, Houston, San Antonio, Atlanta, Georgia, and Philadelphia. Um, and in the immigration practice, I primarily work with corporate clients. So most of my clients are employers who are doing visa and work authorization um, for their various clients. Okay, so are you, so so explain that a little bit more. Is that like people say maybe in Houston in the oil and gas industry that are coming over here and they need work visas because they can't find the people locally? Is that is that what it is, or is it people that are are moving here and want full residence? Or can you maybe break down like the different kind of situations that um, someone might be in? or a company might be in to use these services? Okay, so there's different types of work visas. Some are for individuals who are outside the United States. Those are individuals who are can be investors. So they're wealthy individuals who wanna come in the US, start businesses. Um, also, they're individuals who work at corporations outside the US. So these may be global or international corporations. And they wanna transfer someone from their other global office into the United States. That's another type of visa. Then we also have some clients who are students. After, if you're an international student, then you start an internship. Following the internship, you may get hired by a local uh, Houston company to start working. At that point, you need a work visa. So our, our law firm does all of those types of visa processes. So that's wild. So, yeah. so we, I used to... Uh, work with people that were getting placed in oil companies over here for there is a visa there. Uh, we have a client right now that does H1B visas. I'm not sure if that's what, what, what you're talking about. And then I actually have two employees right now that uh, were on student visas and they want to stay here. So yeah. it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, um, there's certainly a need for that type of thing uh, for, for companies. Well, let's, 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 that's great. Let's go back a little bit and maybe talk a little bit about who you are, your background, how you got started. So maybe people know who you are a little bit more. So I actually started in law school at Georgetown University. Um, after I graduated from Georgetown, I got a job with the Department of Homeland Security. I was an ICE attorney and I did immigration trials. So immigration trials year before an immigration judge, and I did those in New York City. Um, so I worked there for a couple of years, and that's how I started actually doing immigration cases, because I got the opportunity to work with the Department of Homeland Security doing the immigration trials. Um, after that, I had my own practice. So I went to the private bar side. Before that, I was in the government side. Those are cases where you're deciding whether someone should be deported. 
And then I switched to be on the side of the actual individual who was trying to stay in the United States. Um, and those are the cases that I handled on my own with my own practice in New York. And now I've moved to Texas and I've joined Chamberlain Herdluka, uh, the law firm there. So that spanned about almost 20 years of me doing immigration work, um, mostly for employers now is what I do. But I do have some individual cases. I still go to court sometimes for some of my clients. And I do other cases like naturalization cases. And if someone gets married, I'll, I also do some green card pieces for them as well. So, yeah, I guess I, I don't know that. So, so I typically ask, you know, how COVID's affected your business. Okay. I wanted to also ask just the caveat to that is how the election affected your business if it maybe it doesn't right but i i do know if you're on the prosecution side and then you come to the defense side you have a better understanding of like what's going on and i and i understand that that's not so much what you practice but it would be interesting to kind of hear your maybe perspective on what's going on now because i think a lot of people are interested in that yeah, so definitely the new administration. Uh, first of all, one of the things that they did at the beginning was to start what's called temporary protected status. So that's something new. So the Biden administration is really active in their global relations and temporary protected status. They instituted that for Venezuelans. So we had a lot of clients that are Venezuelan. This is uh, earlier this year. There were a lot of applications we did with that. So that was the first shift in our practice was to gear towards people who wanted temporary protected status. Now the shift has been with more employers um, who are looking to ramp up their production. There's a bill on the table called the Farm Workers Modernization Act, and Biden is heavily pushing this through Congress. It hasn't fully passed Congress, but that's something that is coming down the pipeline that a lot of employers are looking to see, will I be able to hire people? Some of them may have undocumented workers working for them. This is mostly agricultural, farming, uh, ranching. Um, so they're looking to see if there's a way to get work authorization for those employers that they have uh, currently. So that's sort of how the trend has been. So we kind of go wherever the administration, whatever's happening, that's where we kind of start doing work in that direction. So that was pretty good that uh, you asked that question because COVID didn't really affect us as much as the change in the administration has really affected immigration a lot. Yeah, so, no, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I, I can certainly see a need. I, you know, it's it's funny, you know, to bring up even on a, on a personal note, we have an employee that's been with us or I guess contractor for say six years that was actually uh, in the U.S., went to school here, went back home to Venezuela, continued mm -hmm. for us remotely. Uh, and then that certainly has gotten worse and worse and worse. And she had to, she was trying to go to Mexico and she ended up in Chile. And so, yeah. so she's in Chile now. Her parents are still in Venezuela. You know, she's sending back remittances. You know, um, she would certainly like to come to the U.S., but I don't like. She doesn't think it's on the table. So maybe you know, could have an offline conversation there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. So um, on the on the business side, let's let's mm -hmm. drill down a little bit more. Certainly, I know that there's some businesses in the manufacturing side of things. Right. that um, or in, in 
in in some kind of home services and and building and stuff like that that might have uh, undocumented workers. Um, and so maybe you know, okay, so if someone's had an undocumented worker for a little while, um, you know, what? How should they be looking at it? Or is there a, a window that's open now that they may be able to, um, you know, get 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 their people um, uh, legal, I guess, or or just getting their business in in order uh, or in good standing uh, from from that standpoint. I mean, as, and if you could just talk about even a little bit more um, inside business what those different use cases look like that you deal with or people that might um, uh, need this kind of service the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's a little tricky because there's not a one size fits all. And I think that's what the the new Biden administration is trying to do. Mm -hmm. They're trying to come up with one immigration policy, especially for individuals who have lived here for a significant period of yeah. time. Yeah one process for everyone to be able to apply to apply to. But for industries um, like manufacturing or maybe outside of farming, nothing's on the table so far. So usually when employers come to us, um, if the person's undocumented, unfortunately there's not much they can do. So usually we'll go the family route if they have a family member that can apply for them. Um, if not, depending on how long they've been here, there may be other ways that they can apply for a visa to be able to work. Like you mentioned H-1B visa. So some people are able to apply for those. Um, there's the TN visa for individuals who come from Mexico. They're able to get those visas as well. Um, so immigration is really case specific when it comes to to looking at your different employees. And then what are, you know, maybe talk a little bit about it. So I'm somewhat familiar with this, the, 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 the visas that are associated with, they can't find someone here to do it, right? So they, they are, and I know oil companies, for example, do this a lot with a certain skill set that they can't find. Can you talk like maybe for some smaller uh, SMBs, like how, how, do, how does that lay if they, you know, hey, I have somebody, but I can't find anybody who locally can do it. They have to go through some kind of search process and then they're able to say, say, bring somebody in uh, out of country or something like that. Right. Yeah. So there's actually two that I can think of. One process is where you try to get someone who has an extraordinary ability. If you can prove that the person has an extraordinary ability um, in a certain industry, uh, that's a specific visa you can apply for. Also, usually through a green card process, you have to vet the open market to see if there's an eligible green card holder or citizen who may be able to fit the job. If not, then you can request to have that specific employee work for your company. Um, and then there's an intra-company transfer, or sometimes people start companies in the United States, but they want to hire someone that has specialized skill, especially if they're specifically uh, have certain skill set within an industry, you can argue that you need to bring this individual into your company because they know exactly what your company needs, especially if you have a niche market like uh, individuals who are working alongside oil and gas companies are usually in niche markets within the energy sector. 
they usually can try to hire someone for that specialized uh, visa. Yeah. So, so yeah. So certain, certain types of engineers for oil and gas, yes. I'm not sure if welders, I know there's a huge shortage of welders. I'm not sure. Like there's also welders that go <laughs> on rigs that are uh, right. certainly hard to find. I mean, can you talk about maybe some of the job types that you've done recently or you've seen commonality in because someone might go, Oh, I, you know, this, this could be right for me, you know? Right. Um, specific job types. Uh, we did one, I mean, this is not an oil and gas, but we did one case for a geneticist. Okay. okay. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, that case involved, you know, the DNA ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this individual actually had been doing this work for years um, outside of the United States. And so they had a skill set to be able to analyze and do the research data. Um, I also have a case with an economist uh, who lived outside of the U.S. And she uh, actually worked for the government outside of the United States. And she um, has done research from a public policy standpoint. And she now is uh, going to be working with a company in the U.S. Um, because she has such a great background within economy. So she's a business economist um, and she really has a highly specialized skill set. Um, so those are two of the cases recently that I've been working on. Um, some really interesting uh, yeah. cases from that standpoint. So I know that you can do extensions on like the student visa. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, you know, and it's hard to because every case is unique, but is there generally um, a range if someone was going to start the green card process or start a visa process of how long that would take or um, roughly what it would cost or like maybe even a minimum of what it's definitely going to cost? So right. people have some idea of, OK, I can afford this or um, I, I, you know, a lot of these people sometimes even that are here on visas in that instance, have like really tight clocks, right? You know, right. Uh, uh, before they, they might have to leave the country and try to come back or right. maybe you can speak to any of that from any standpoint you feel comfortable with. I know it's kind of a, a very open-ended question, so. Okay, no, that's fine. So usually what we do with clients, if they're applying for a green card, so a green card case can take up to a year. Okay. Um, most immigration cases, especially if you're working with something specialized, like we just mentioned, it could take at least maybe three months to put together the documentation. You usually have to do a lot of uh, support it with a lot of articles um, and a lot of research. Mm -hmm. So it takes at least three, maybe four months, sometimes longer, um, depending how uh, the time frame to put those cases together. So what we do, we like to work with our clients and do uh, payment arrangements for them to help them to be able to come up with the funds to be able to submit. So we never really have an expectation to, I mean, it'd be great if all clients could pay that fee up front because some fees can range from anywhere between 6,000 to 10 or 15,000, okay. depending on how many people and the type of case. So a green card case, because that's permanent residence, would be on the more expensive end. If you're getting a temporary visa, it will be on the less expensive end. So we're talking about five, 6,000. But what we do, because we know the time frame for processing the case, takes a, a while. We allow some clients to submit one portion up front, 
and then another portion towards the end or over the month period, they're able to make payments. So we understand that there's expiration dates and we want to be able to get a client in so that we can get the process going and not have it hampered with them not being able to pay everything up front. So we're really pretty flexible with, with doing those payments. And then you still have to think about the application fee. So the employers usually have a very significant application fee mm-hmm. also to pay. Um, they can range from, it can be almost 500, 700. If you want to expedite your case, then you can pay an additional 2,500. Mm. In addition to that base 400, it's 460 or $700. Okay, so wow. we're talking about significant fees that, that you may have to pay in addition to our legal fee. So we're pretty understanding of a lot of the costs that are involved and allow um, most of our clients structure payments. Um, Some pay monthly, pay a set amount monthly. Got it, okay, that's great to to hear how um, flexible you are. Yeah. Uh, All right, so to kind of switch gears a little bit, um, I'm gonna also pull up your website for those that that are watching. Um, but maybe you can um, t- tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, h- how you're getting your name out there or how do people find you? Because this is really unique. I would think that they probably would go to Google and start <laughs> or they call somebody they know. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of, uh, those those two things, um, what are some of the things that I guess uh, you might do to uh you know, get the word out or, or maybe you do presentations um, about it or webinars that would be helpful to, um, you know, uh, educate people. I mean, this is more, I think, an education uh, component of this is what I'm trying to do. I know I need to do this. I don't know the right terms, but mm-hmm. how do I go about doing this? That sort of thing. So. so our what I specifically do, because I know that there are a lot of individuals that and immigration is can be really complicated. It's interesting because even attorneys at our firm who do not do immigration law say immigration is very complicated. So what I try to do is to simplify it as much as possible. I do a monthly blog um, as part of the immigration practice group. That blog is posted on our website and it's also posted on our firm's social media. And then I also have an individual newsletter that is sent to all of our current and past clients. And they also receive that blog as well. Um, And then I've also um, had some articles published by the Houston Business Journal and also Texas Lawyer. So, and then I also post my articles on LinkedIn as well. So that's sort of how we're trying to get a lot of the word out there. One of the things we're trying to really promote now is um, our ability to do I-9 cases. So that's one of the new things that we're seeing a lot of activity on that because there's a lot of I-9 audits that are going on right now. So I-9 is really important for employers to to monitor um, because once you complete your I-9 form, a lot of that could pertain to immigration and whether you're work authorized. So that's something that our firm is also reviewing and we're doing a lot of articles to inform a lot of people about that as well. No, that's that's fantastic. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about um, 
you know, what it means to be a, a BBB member and kind of what, what that means to you and, and how, how you view that? Yeah. So I think it's really, it's great. I actually remember uh, when I was young as a teenager and I had an issue <laughs> with the business and someone told me about a uh, better business bureau, I was clueless and didn't know what it was. So up until this point, I think I'd really looked at it as when someone, so when a business does something wrong, when a business does something bad, then you want to report them. So it's not until, you know, recently that I'm seeing that there's real benefits to not only being informed about what businesses are able to offer um, and what are considered the trustworthy businesses. So I'm really like glad that our firm is a member of the BBB because we can, you know, see ourselves as one of the highly selected firms that are in the Houston area. So I think it's 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 a great it's a great organization. So yeah, fantastic. You can also take that that logo uh, and you can post it on, uh, you know, the footer header of your website mm -hmm. and then link that uh, back to your profile. And um, that that works out really nicely. And I think it builds a lot of credibility and, and trust in that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And so. So, OK, so uh, we've really kind of gone through. Um, you know, the type of cases, um, how it might be able to fit in. Do you have any kind of tips that mm -hmm. uh, you've found that, that are helpful in understanding this? I would think one tip would be get started early if you know you need to deal with this, right? So you're not right. um, coming down to the deadlines and having to pay the, the expedite fee. Um, right. But maybe what are, is there anything else out there that you've just found that would be important to know if this is something that you're planning on embarking on? Yeah, I, I mean, one of my recommendations is usually what happens is a human resources individual or the owner of a company will find out that, okay, I have an employee or I have a potential employee that I want to hire, but they um, have this immigration issue where I need to get them work authorization. And a lot of times the employer doesn't necessarily listen to the individual when they're explaining what the issue is. And I find that if you can sit and just listen and try to understand, that employee actually knows a lot about what they need to apply for um, because they've already done the research, that's their life. Um, and so I think if you sit, you can get a lot of information up front from them to understand how long it may take, what the process is. And that's a first great step because Sometimes employers don't take the time to speak to the employee where the employee would probably say to them, this usually, I've heard that this takes six months and then they'll drag their feet because you're so busy. You're not thinking, let me get on this right away. You're thinking this may resolve itself later. I'll deal with this later. Not understanding you have to start early. So I think it's good to really listen to the employee because they're, they're really well informed about, about what's needed. No, I, I yeah. think that's a fantastic tip. Like, yeah. please know it's their life. Yeah. <laughs> they know exactly what they need to do. And right. sometimes we get busy. And so you, you really need to listen to them when, when they have a need and, and maybe schedule a time to say, okay, I, like you have my identified attention. Please let me understand what it is we need 
so we can get started on this process early so it doesn't sneak up on us. But what I can tell you as a, as a business owner, certain people become very key to your business. And, you know, if you lose them based on not planning it and no other reason, you know, that, that, that's certainly unfortunate. So, so I, I love that tip. I think yes. that's a great tip. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why don't you tell us uh, if there's anything else we didn't cover in this interview and maybe what the best way to get in touch with you is. Great. Um, so, I mean, I think we covered a lot, which I, I think it's awesome. I think we, we talked about the work visas. I told you a little bit about the I-9. I think that, you know, the more that uh, human resource individuals, especially, stay informed about what's happening in immigration in general, the better off they will be. I think that's for businesses all over. So, for example, when I talked about the Farm Workers Modernization Act, uh -huh. um, and we tend to not necessarily listen so much to immigration when we hear it on the news. We want to hear the finance side. So as a business, if you listen to the immigration, uh, what's coming down the pipeline, you would hear that possibly Biden will, you know, this will come through where there's farm workers that can get documentation. So if you work in the manufacturing, packaging, an affiliated industry, um, products that are associated with agriculture, um, supplying housing to farm workers, all of those other affiliated businesses will also be impacted. So you'd be able to get a jump on what's coming down the pipeline just by listening to what's happening in immigration. So I think a lot of times you think this doesn't involve me or Oh, that's so unfortunate, but it really is important to businesses, especially in Houston. There are a lot of diverse industries that are really impacted by immigration. So if I could just give that one tip, I think that would really go far with a lot of your listeners. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. So how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? I know you oh, talked yeah. about blog on uh, com. I think it's yes. slash immigration. I can see. Your blog, you got some really well thought out, thought out articles there. I'm assuming they can thank you, you on LinkedIn. Um, yes. K I S S H I A Simmons. Um, yes. Those of you that are listening. Um, but yeah, what is the best way to get in touch with you to make yeah. sure people can find uh, some of your great content? Out there? Yeah, definitely. You can email me, my first name, K I S S H I A dot Simmons at chamberlainlaw.com. You can also call me 713-658-2590, or you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. You can call our general uh, line at Chamberlain Law and they can find me. So those are the best ways to reach me. And I'm definitely, if you want to shoot me a question, I get lots of people who just have inquiries. Uh -huh. I do free consultations over the phone. Okay. So I do a lot of those. I probably do maybe five or six a week from people who say, I have this issue, I'm thinking of hiring this person, what do you think? And I will speak to you over the phone for free, uh, free of charge. <laughs> um, so I think that that's, that's good to know that that is out there. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you said you had a lot of offices. What office, I mean, maybe you're working from home with COVID uh, remote, mm -hmm. right? but if someone wants to meet with you in the office just so they yeah. kind of understand what area of town or roughly where is the office located? Because I think a lot of people like to know that. So we're located downtown in the Allen Center. So that's uh, West Allison Smith. Um, and it's right downtown. 
in the Allen Center. Um, and we validate parking, so you don't have to worry about parking downtown. I think a lot of people get a little frustrated or, you know, kind of confused when it comes to parking and getting in downtown, but we make it really simple. Um, so I definitely can meet with you if you want to meet with me in the office. I do Zoom. I also do virtual uh, meetings. I do those a lot. Um, and also phone consultations as well. So. All right. Well, fantastic. It was great having you on uh, Business Houston Podcast. So. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Business Houston puts a spotlight on local, small, and medium-sized business, interviewing those successful business owners in Houston and those business owners that are winning in today's economic climate. Business Houston is presented to you by the BBB of Greater Houston and South Texas. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Hugh Biz Podcast. That's H-O-U Biz Podcast. Until next time, this is Business Houston.